What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We had on the show the one, the only, Yang Su Ren, also known as a deadlift panda, also known as the best 181-pound deadlifter in the world right now. Terrific, fun interview with him. He gives a technique tip. We debut a new segment, Word Association. Uh, That's in this beta stage. I'm going to come up with a better, more creative name, but really awesome interview with him. Probably one of my favorite interviews we've done on the show so far. Just a terrific interview with Yangsu. Before we get into that, of course, we got to talk to you about Rivalus. Boys, girls, visit Rivalus.net. Use promo code ANGELO15 to get 15% off of your proteins, your creatines, your branched-hand amino acids, your pre-workout, your merchandise. Use that promo code ANGELO15 and you will get 15% off. Also, visit twowhitelights.com. Get yourself a t-shirt. We got our Two White Lights t-shirts. We got our Bomb Out Club t-shirts. We got our Ship Was Light t-shirts as well. Get that. Purchase them. Wear them to the gym. Also, Visit the blog. I'm chronicling my prep up to USAPL Raw Nationals. If you have any questions on the PH3, look at that blog. It will be good information for you. This week, we're probably going to have another blog post on Wednesday because it was a rep test and it was a deload, so it's really not a whole lot of information there anyway, but we'll upload the next one on Wednesday. And also, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. So here it is. Two white lights. It is Monday, September 16th, and I am in a great mood. Because the Bears just beat the Broncos on a last second field goal. And whenever the Bears or Cubs win or Juventus wins, my mood is elevated like 35% at least. So I'm in a good mood right now. And I was in a good mood. And then I remembered that the USAPL Raw Nationals deadline was today. So rosters are going to be finalized. And... To my knowledge, I was pretty close on getting that last primetime spot. And I thought I had no chance with it because, again, I sandbagged that fucking meet I did in March, and I highly regret that. But I noticed that for the people who were signing up, that I possibly had a opportunity to get that last 10th spot in primetime. And at the last fucking three hours, two people or three people, I think, with higher totals than me signed up. So it looks like I'm not going to be in prime time. I'm a little bummed out by it, but it's 103% my fault because I probably should have put in a better total. Um, yeah, Candido did. Candido signed up at the last minute and ruined it for me, and so did V-Will. So I uh, have no one to blame but myself, but also the rosters are pretty much final today, and I'm really excited to, you know, Four weeks out, ready to work towards Raw Nationals. I'm getting more excited by the day. Even though I'm not on prime time, I'm still excited to compete at uh, at USAPL Raw Nats. It's, it's going to be a really good time. And speaking of USAPL, I had one of my favorite interviews so far. And 
when I told you guys I was in a good mood and then kind of in a bad mood, now I'm in a good mood again because I had a fucking excellent interview with Yang Su Ren, Deadlift Panda. Terrific interview, interesting interview. He was a really good guy to talk to. I just really enjoyed the entire interview from beginning to end. And we really don't have a whole lot of news to cover around the powerlifting world unless I'm missing something, which I usually do because I'm clueless when it comes to everything. So we're just going to get right into the interview with my guy, Deadlift Panda, Yang Su Ren. And as promised, I got with me via FaceTime. One of the first people I've followed in powerlifting, one of the best deadlifts I've ever seen, damn good powerlifter, the deadlift panda, Yang Su, Yu Yu, Ren, how the hell are you, dude? Good, thanks for having me on, man. And I'm really excited to have you on. Um, fan requested interview, people want to hear you talk, people mm-hmm. want probably advice on how to improve their deadlift, because <laughs> recently you've been just been throwing up everyone's one rep max and when i say everyone's one rep max i mean everyone's one rep max if you go from 74 kilos to fucking the guys who are weighing 250 275 pounds over 750 for reps it's getting ridiculous to a point but i didn't know this and a lot of people have been talking to me about this you're not doing usapl raw nationals and when he told me i had to pretend to be sad (laughs) <laughs> but in reality i was like eh. <laughs> okay maybe maybe i could actually have a deadlift that's impressive <laughs> yeah like i said before the show started as long as you have the last deadlift of the flight and close it out so you can give russ and sean a run for their money i'm gonna be a happy guy I would I would love to do that, but at the same time, I would have really liked for you to come to Illinois. Um, I would have really liked for, I think I messaged you last year around this time um, that yeah. Nationals was going to be in Illinois, and you're welcome yeah. to train at my gym, so we could, and I think yeah. you said, yeah, that's like the deadlifts commence or something, and um, so oh, it, it is it is yeah. upsetting that yeah, you aren't going to be there. so much fun to just max out. Afterwards, if I was there, we could have just gone to the gym and maxed out no matter how we did. That would have been a lot of fun, man. Yeah, do it on a deadlift bar, too. I love doing that after competitions. Go into a gym using a deadlift bar for the first time in, I don't know, 16, 17 weeks. Yeah. No. I am sad to be missing it for the first time in, like, three years. Um, So there's two issues that I've been dealing with. One is, of course, a sciatica. For people that have been following me, it's just been a recurrent issue for the last three training blocks, and I know what's causing it, and I, I'm working on fixing it now. It's slow bar induced, so every time when I used to get increase the frequency and intensity of low bar squats, it would pinch my lower back nerve. I would have shooting pains down my right leg and numb big toe for weeks, and it just got to the point where it was affecting all parts of my life. So I'm just working on switching completely to high bar now, it's not flared up since then, so I'm just going to finish the year out doing that. And also, I started a new job this year at a biotech company, so I'm going to be focusing more of my attention on that. So I haven't been able to train as regularly as I would love to, which would will get a little better next year with a regular routine of scheduling. But I think it will be a best decision for me just to kind of watch from the sidelines the rest of the year. Yeah, and your, your presence on the platform will be missed because I think right now what you've been showing with your deadlift – people are 
they're finding your page a little bit more. They're finding a little bit more about Deadlift Panda, and they want to see it on the platform. So excited to see you get back on the platform as uh, sooner the better. And I, one thing I did notice is, and you said this to me before the show, you started competing at the age of 28, correct? Yep. Yeah, when I moved here to San Diego. Okay, so take me through it. So how did you, we do an origin, so we do an origin story with every powerlifter. Yep. How did you, yep. one, get started into weightlifting, and then how did that progress into powerlifting and to perform at a high level as well? <laughs> so I actually never knew about the sport of powerlifting until I moved here. Um, I knew squat, bench, and deadlift as exercises mm-hmm. alone. When I was doing my PhD in Michigan, you know, I get burnt out in the afternoons. I get antsy and bored, so I walk over to the GM CCRB across the street. I do some exercises, and then I found, you know, the holy Bible called Starting Strength, which kind of is a meme at this point. But I kind of learned to start programming and went in the gym doing, like, bench, squat, deadlift once a week-ish just to see, you know, where I'm at. I had terrible form at the time. Nothing looked good. And then I saw some dude doing, like, a sumo deadlift, and I was like, hey, this looks kind of cool. So I tried to emulate him, which was actually closer to what you're doing, like that narrow stance and what I did in the beginning. So then I was doing that for about two years. Um, I think I started just lifting regularly in the gym when I was, like, 26, just as an escape from my grad school life. And then I got to San Diego here when I was 28, found out that this is actually a sport. Like, people actually competed in this, mm-hmm. and – you know, it was organized. So I got super excited. I was training at this like super grungy bodybuilding gym over in Pacific Beach in San Diego. And there was like old rusty bars and plates everywhere. And I trained like twice a day sometimes, just like an hour in the morning, hour in the evening. Just, uh, you know, no coach, no idea what I was doing, just having fun with it. Jumped into my first meet. One of the guys at the gym recommended it with like, I, the only thing I had that was, like, competition spec was my belt. I bought a Titan belt that I still use now because I realized that the Velcro belt I had been using up to that point wasn't allowed in competition. So Same happened I to me. Like, oh, my God. Le- legit, I was wearing, like, this – it looked like a Jenny Craig <laughs> red-pink little Velcro belt that I got. But I bought the Titan belt. I went in with, like, my A6, like, wrestling singlet and my squishy running A6 shoes – had super fun. Everybody was supportive as hell. It was a USAPL meet here uh, called the Cal State Games. And squat, I think, it was like maybe four four twenty or something. Squat bench was like three sixty. And then I deadlifted like six forty. And I guess like that was really good at the time. Like I had no concept what was good or was bad. But everybody was excited, jumping up and down. So then like I realized that this sport was something I really wanted to get into. It was super cool. So then I started meeting the local powerlifting scene around here, a bunch of people around the gyms, like Combo Strength that I go to. I found, I saw on Instagram, they followed me back and forth, and we were chatting about that. And I finally learned, like, enough about the sport to start getting into it regularly. And I think it was about a year after my first meet was the one I did here, and I pulled, I think, 733. And then later that year, I did uh, the Raw Nass and broke the record. So since then, um, I just just pretty much in having fun and enjoying the sport. It's surprising to see because a lot of people that we have on the show have been competing for a really long time. And even though they're mm-hmm. the age of 23, 22, mm-hmm. I, always, I always bring up, and I think people are sick of me bringing him up so many times, but he's one of my favorite lifters, Garrett Fear. Yeah. The dude has like <laughs> eight years of experience and he's, or a double the amount of experience I have in the sport and he's 22. 
Wait, he's only 22? Yeah, he's 22. Oops. Oh, and he loves when people, you know, think he's much older. Damn. I was going to say, I, like, I, I legit, I thought he was, like, at least my age. Like, uh-huh. I'm 31. Like, I thought he was at least, like, 30. Like, the, I love the kid. Like, he's great. He's awesome. Entertaining as hell. He's just, like, uh, he talks so much shit, and I, like, it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. But I've never seen anybody that young talk that much shit before. Like, yeah. I love it. Everything he posts about Matt Mitchell just kills me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's yeah he's going in on him, but like so many of these young guys have, they they and people mm-hmm. ask why do you look up to those people when they're so much younger? I'm like, dude, they're yeah they're the experience they have in the sport surpasses mine mm-hmm. by a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm 26 years old, but I still think <laughs> I'm not even close to not even my mm-hmm. potential, just what I know in the sport. Like right. when guys like him, even Noriega and all the other young, I mean, uh, we just had a uh, uh, Jamal. Brown around the show too, mm-hmm. young lifters all over the place, but they've been mm-hmm. competing at bigger meets than me, training mm-hmm. with really good lifters as well. But yeah. it's 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 almost more impressive when you start at a later age than a younger yeah. age, in my opinion. Some yeah, I definitely wish I knew. Like I went to a D three school, like a liberal arts school in the middle of nowhere. We mm-hmm. had Amish buggies riding down the street all the time. Like there was literally only five thousand people in my town. And I didn't know anything about the sport back then. And then I see these kids that are going to, like, collegiate nationals who have, like, college teams that do powerlifting. Yeah. Like, I'm, je- I'm jealous as hell. Like, I wish I had that kind of access back when I was that young. That'd be so cool. And, like, mm-hmm. just think about how much knowledge even experience you have by, at, by this point. Like, you would be – that's how I think people, like um, – oh, wow, I can't uh, – her name is blinking, but um, – just pretty much everybody who's in their 40s and 50s is still breaking PRs nowadays. Mm-hmm. Just like their experience just kind of gives them more of an edge and just they're constantly just bettering themselves because they know more about themselves and the sport and more of the techniques and programming and like biomechanics and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where, where are you originally from? <laughs> so China originally. I'm actually mm-hmm. born and raised in China and I came to the U.S. when I was seven. I grew up in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, so I'm, I'm a Midwesterner through and through. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're from the school. shitty part of Midwest, St. Louis. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know I'm a Cubs fan. Yeah. I just fucking hate that city so much. The Cardinals? Yeah, yeah I just fucking hate that city too. But. <laughs> it, it's okay. I more identify with Michigan anyways. I love the state. Okay. I love Michigan. Like Michigan. Uh, what, yeah, Michigan. So, sad about the football team, but yeah. – um, I just like the state. One day. I know. It's just a cool fucking state. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful, great scenery, great hiking, great beer. Like, Mm -hmm. I would love to go back. If I can convince my girlfriend to move there, I would. She's from California. She can't handle anything below, like, 40 degrees, and that doesn't do well in the Midwest. So Yeah, yeah. Michigan will (laughs) kick your ass in the winter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Michigan can be bad. And so (laughs) you're in California now, right? Mm -hmm. San Diego, yep. How is the powerlifting scene in that state? Oh, it's great. I think... California and Texas probably have two of the biggest powerlifting scenes mm-hmm. just by the density of gyms alone. I know definitely for Instagram gyms, California is probably the biggest. Like, yeah. you know, you got Barbara Brigade, you got Boss Barbell, you got all the big gyms that people actually come to make visits here. Like, one of the dudes that I know, um, uh, Jell Bacalan, who had the previous deadlift record, like, he just made a California trip here to visit, and he just broke down the entire coast to go to gym from gym to gym. And people do that all the time, like come from all the other countries and just pretty much visit here to see the gyms and train with the people they see on Instagram. So, yeah, it's definitely got one of the biggest powerlifting scenes, I think. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier 
going through some reoccurring injuries, uh, battling through it, mm-hmm. but yet you're still putting up numbers on your on your deadlift specifically that is in turn mm-hmm. everyone's heads in powerlifting. I think just in general, uh, when we say you know 181 pounds moving 750 to 800, it's you know winding a lot of eyes. So take me through it. What have you been doing differently in your training? Have you been focusing mm-hmm. on just pulling? Have you put a more priority on deadlifts? Uh, for sure. Uh, when I figured out what was causing my sciatica, I definitely turned my attention more towards the rehab side of squatting. So right now with for squats, I'm doing just purely high bars. So, you know, a day of a little bit higher volume, a day of a little bit more intensity, but kind of just keeping it at bay. So then pretty much that saves a lot more of my posterior chain and legs and back for deadlifts. So I think that's part of the reason why my deadlifts been more like on the rise lately because I've definitely been putting a lot more attention to pulling. And the other thing is I've definitely been working a lot more on my technique-wise. Um, with the deadlifts before, uh, for competition training, it's always been sort of the sub-maximo, you know, like 3 by 5 something at the lower percentage, just so you can spare your body for the recovery for meets. But okay. this has been like the first time in three years that I've been off-season, and I can actually like focus on just like one lift instead of like all three. So I think just having my body get used to the like rhythm of strengthening my deadlifts as a primary um, a priority has definitely helped in for both the recovery and the strengthening of that aspect. And so as you saw before, when I first started, I knew my technique was lacking in the bracing aspect. So I started doing a lot more beltless work for sumo. That definitely helped a ton, especially with my setup now. I've realized my weaknesses. A couple of things that I've found the cues to work, a lot more lat tightening in the beginning, a lot more driving with the hips and glutes. That's all really turned into just more weight that I can push. Like every mm-hmm. single week, I feel more comfortable. And I'm a mental lifter, so every time I touch weight I haven't touched before, I kind of get into my own head. So just doing more and more weight in training, I think it's definitely going to translate more to the meets as well later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the most impressive thing about those deadlifts is that you're doing it at 24-hour fitness. <laughs> Outside on the turf? Yeah. yeah. It's it's hilarious. I got kicked out of, from the inside because apparently the deadlifts I was doing was literally shaking the treadmills. It was kind of funny when I was actually looking at them because like every time the weights came down, the girls on the treadmills just kind of bounce up a little bit. <laughs> so oh, they were like, shit. no, you got to go outside. Oh, my God. <laughs> but. Yeah, uh, I trained in 24-hour fitness for two months when I lived in San Jose, <laughs> and I, if, if anyone from that gym is listening, I fucking hate your gym, <laughs> I hate that whole area of San Jose, I never want to be there again, and the gym was so goddamn trash, and it wasn't, it had nothing to do with the equipment, had nothing to do with anything, 24 hours, 24-hour fitness is the hardest goddamn place I've ever had to train for anything in my life. So when I saw you were going there, I'm like, he's, that's, that's amazing. He's, he's killing it at 24 hour fitness. So I wish I could go back to the, like my usual jam convoy strength with the powerlifting equipment and yeah. super nice folks and people, but 24 hour fitness is two minutes away from me. My job really is just kind of turned it towards a lot more busy lifestyle. So uh-huh. it's kind of hard to drag my ass over 40 minute drive back and forth to the powerlifting gym when it's. I know it would get a much better workout, but, you know, life kind of comes first, and sometimes you got to prioritize. Yeah, for sure. I just, 
I just when I when I saw the twenty four hour fitness like logo and the mm-hmm. weights that you were using, oh, it brought it, it gave me like PTSD. Where and yeah. I wasn't even used to powerlifting gyms. I was still training yeah. in a commercial gym. I just hated that particular <laughs> gym so much because it was packed. Mm-hmm. It was it, it the the equipment was all weird. It was janky. Like mm-hmm. I had to wait for a deadlift thing, and no one was even really working out. They were just kind of sitting there doing bullshit. Yep. But yeah, um, congratulations so best, on turning into a success. <laughs> Thanks, man. The best part, actually, I don't know if you ran into this. There's literally only two bars that work. So all the other bars only can fit the hex plates. And you know, as well as I do, hex plates are the worst things for deadlifting. Yeah. Like, they will fuck your shit up. And only I refuse. I refuse to do the bumper plates when I was oh, there. Yeah. I refuse. I, I have to. Because, yeah. like, if you don't use that, the, bumper, the hex plates literally just scrape up, make the bars hit you every time. But there's only two bars, the Leco weightlifting bars that fit the bumper plates. And I like to put one or two bumper plates in the start yeah. so, you know, it doesn't shift every time. But I have to go hunt down the entire gym or wait for the person to be finished with those two bars every time I get there. And it's yeah. terrible. Yeah. I I, 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 I kind of noticed that throughout because I think I didn't even use the good bars for my deadlift when I was at 24 Hour Fitness. I just good, used whatever bar bars. that was there. I just yeah. – I mean, at that time, if you had knurling on a bar – I was happy because I was, again, training at a yeah. commercial gym yeah. for my entire life. So if, like, the, mm-hmm. the bar had knurling at a good spot, I'm like, this is the greatest bar I've ever – now now I'm a yeah. little, like, USAPL elitist where I need the Ohio Power Bar, even though it's the shittier yeah. version of yeah. the good Rogue Bars, but I must use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so – with the higher deadlifts, you've been getting reposted on a lot of big powerlifting pages, um, just people's stories in general, because mm-hmm. I'm just friends of mine, people in powerlifting gyms, bring up your name a lot uh, with the deadlift, and a lot of us are in that like 74 kg to like 198 weight class, mm-hmm. so whenever someone in our weight class is doing something big, we acknowledge it. But one thing I've noticed, which is a massive surprise to me, is the amount of hate you received on not only your sumo deadlift because you should be used to that <laughs> if you if you pull sumo on the internet at least one dick face yeah. is going to comment oh, yeah. how big of an asshole you are for pulling sumo yeah. but true. then you yeah. post then you post a really good conventional and i still see hate on it so <laughs> oh the, the best is like oh the dude i could do the same thing if i was like four eleven. he's four <laughs> plates tall it was like oh my god that's the best insult ever like i love it <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, and I, and I hate to like turn the subject cause I have to ask you about this, but I think you reposted the massive shit storm that happened on a meme I posted of range of motion on my sumo, my conventional. Yeah. And the talk was, so he, the max of the tall man was 500 pounds, <laughs> which to me is adorable weight. To you and me is a door, even for yeah. conventional. That's a warm up for conventional for us. So I was like, serious question, bro. If you were, if I deadlifted your one rep max conventional, because he was making fun of my sumo. If I did a conventional, is your lift still more impressive because you're taller? And he responded with yes, and he gave me this bullshit scientific reasoning behind <laughs> behind it. And I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm going to let the internet run its course because after yep. that, it was just, yep. you reposted it. It was it was very funny. Yep. You put you oh, said, yeah. like, it was going to go into an IPF calculator, your, the height. Yeah. Like, IPF points are <laughs> yeah. going to be based on someone's yeah. height now and not well, the white so, body weight. 
it's actually a thing where like Greg Knuckles and other people have talked about it before, where you can actually have an adjustment for anthropomorphic measurements. So for example, like you can get like an IPF or Wilkes points that adjusted for your limb length, your arm, your legs, your height. And some people actually support that because, you know, people think that if you're 5'11", squatting 700 pounds is more impressive than somebody 5'10", squatting 100 pounds, like yeah. 700 pounds. So at the end of the day, like, whatever you do, somebody's going to be unhappy about it. Yeah. And unless if you're stronger than them, it's got to be something you're doing wrong and you're mm-hmm. cheating. Yeah, and I rem- well, actually this and the ending to the story actually has a happy one because this was like <laughs> internet justice. He got bullied so fucking bad on those Ooh. comments. He deleted all of his comments and apologized to me on Damn. another meme that I made. And I was like, <laughs> "I this is because I didn't I didn't do any of the trolling. It was the mm-hmm. entire internet coming to my defense, which was very sweet of them." <laughs> but because that that meme I posted again, it was like. 500 comments deep of arguing and i was just trying to trigger people and i successfully did it i was very proud of myself probably probably more happy than me pulling 700 with getting people (laughs) pissed off about a meme um and then he deleted it and it was down to like 300 comments so it was it was great when he apologized i laughed very hard he apologized in the dms and through the comment section like i win i win the internet but that's satisfying but i've seen it from you for both ways the conventional Mm -hmm. the sumo you're a super nice dude, so how do you deal with it? So, I think first my response is just kind of giggle at it, mm-hmm. because literally there's somebody putting in this much effort to hate on the internet. Somebody, yeah. they have no idea what it is, what they do, their background, and usually it's people either, you know, you get two classes. One is like the teenagers who just started lifting, you know, bless their souls, they don't know the path they've taken, mm-hmm. and they're going to learn some, hopefully they'll learn so much more and learn some respect on the line. And then you get, like, the old folks who are stuck in their ways and have been coaches or have been lifting decades and years and hate on everything that's different, or they don't think that what you're doing is the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. So then they just hate on everybody. Like, there's literally, recently there's been a dude from San Francisco that's, like, literally hating on every single video in King of Lists for, like, squats for sumo for like oh my god and making fake accounts just to hate on them when like they get blocked and reported it's just like the amount of effort these people put in to just put negativity and hate out there like i get go at first and then i kind of feel bad for them so Mm -hmm. like most of the time i don't respond to them because then i just let them die out but then sometimes it just gets so ridiculous that i just really have to put something sarcastic back to like yeah (laughs) you know what's like either mock or just like put science back for like my favorite thing to do is actually educate yeah so like i love going back and forth with actual science behind it and like hey this is actually what's going on here's the biomechanics and if they're willing to listen cool i've had a couple of good conversations with people that way mm-hmm. but if they're just trolling you can tell pretty quickly like at the end of the day yeah. yeah yeah for sure and i just i i saw that and you like the comments have been ridiculous i think king of lifts had to <laughs> like put on their story the comments because of how ridiculous yeah. they were getting but I and I had to take a step back because this is the first time we're talking, but I've seen your Instagram page. We've DM'd, you know, we talked through messages. Yeah. I'm like, this is a really nice fucking guy. He is really <laughs> cool. He doesn't talk shit. He's not. He's no Garrett Fear on his stories. He's not. He's not talking shit about other lifters. He's a cool fucking guy. And also, he shares knowledge with people. Like he's he's a, a, like the good person on the internet, 
and I'm like, and he still gets hate because I understand why I get hate. Like I'm a I'm a <laughs> dick sometimes. I'm and I try to be a dick. I'm a, I, I actually called myself a professional asshole because a pe- person with a podcast usually just kind of a talking asshole. But like if 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 you you gets hate, I don't I don't have any more faith in the internet. Yeah, yeah. Like I think we talked about this right before we started talking, but. Uh, even people, the strongest in the world, like Jessica Butner, gets mm-hmm. reposted, and you get these little cave trolls coming out of the dark just to post something about her lifts that they know nothing about. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, she's using too much legs. Oh, she's good morning squatting that. Like, oh, her legs are collapsing. Or like Amanda Lawrence. Like, every single comment, every other comment is literally, oh, her legs are collapsing inwards. Like, she's going to break her legs. Or, like, she's not going to be able to walk in a year. Like, dude, these girls, these, every lifters are more experienced than you ever be, mm-hmm. are lifting more weights than you can ever be. And every single time, it's just they're getting hated on constantly. Like, it takes effort to hate that much. Yeah. I think the best way to kind of put it is it's like high school quarterback critiques Tom Brady's throwing motion. <laughs> yes. It's like, exactly. what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Like, if that's what works for him, that's what works for him. Philip Rivers, I'm sorry to do fucking like all these sports references, but Philip Rivers <laughs> has a weird throwing motion, but he's a really good quarterback. If I have some high school coach or some high school football player, or even a 25 year old former football player saying how shitty he throws, like, well, you're a dumbass because that's what works. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah, and it, and I think for this sport because we're so close to the internet, we're like really close yeah. to the comments, we're really close to what we see. It's it's gonna get a little bit worse, but as time goes on, mm-hmm. hopefully as the sport goes gets bigger, it's gonna die down a little bit. And you, I mentioned earlier that you share knowledge, and I want to share a story with some of the two white lights listeners. Um, so I, I again, I once posted a meme or something, and it was of the the, the sumo. It was actually a different one of my range of motion on sumo and conventional, and. I just did that and then was trolling everyone of the the range of motion. And I go through comments. I'm getting a bunch of shit. I'm getting DM'd a bunch of things, like, you know, hateful stuff. And it was all glorious to me. But at the same time, you posted something very similar but with scientific reasoning behind it. And I was like, yours was much better than mine because I was just – I used, like, a third – grade Lexile score to read all the stuff that I put and then UU puts this great scientific thing and this is really like informational about stuff but you, you do that and you know your shit and I, and another one was I posted something with my first rep being better than my last rep and you sent me this whole like uh, yeah. journal this academic journal of why that is now I didn't understand most of it because I'm not as smart <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a history person um, I'm a history teacher, so my the education that I share is far less one important and two, this not as complex. So it, take me through your background on the, the science uh, yeah, behind so the lifting. I'm a huge nerd. Like I just went on the nerds with lift podcasts with Nicholas, and it's one of my passions. Like I did my PhD in human genetics. I love biology. I love everything science and powerlifting is one of those things where I can apply it a lot, mainly because of the biomechanics side. You know, you can apply a little genetics, but at the end of the day, it's kind of depressing saying, mm-hmm. like, well, your genes kind of make you a shitty lifter, mm-hmm. and there's nothing you can do about it. But when you look at science and powerlifting as biomechanically, like your anthropomorphic measurements, you know, your long arms, long legs, or short arms, short legs, 
what can that tell you about your optimal squat, bench, deadlift, and also your hip angles. Like I posted a bunch about different like hip angles, like femur length and how you know wide you can go. Stuff like that just intrigues the hell out of me. Like I love talking about that. I love reading papers about that, learning about that. And I love talking to a lot of other people about that as well. So like when you posted a thing about why your first rep always feels, you know, harder than your last rep, I remember I had a conversation with somebody about this and they referenced Matt Gary, who, you know, is one of the coaches for IPF Worlds. And he wrote about this a while ago saying it's primarily due to the stretch reflex, which Mm -hmm. makes perfect sense. So they did studies about this and really after your first rep, your body has so much built up kinetic energy in your muscles from doing the first rep so that you can do the successive reps easier because you have that built up energy. So that's why it makes perfect sense to me why they would implement more of the single with full reset um, reps because then you're training for more of the meat conditions. So when I see that, I was like, that's awesome. Let me dissect it and see what causes that. Like what is it your posterior chain, your quads, your hamstrings? What of these are activating more and less because of that um, stretch reflex? So then, then like that just sends me down to a spiral of just reading papers over and over and hugely nerding out. Like mm-hmm. I do this on a daily basis and I only share maybe a fragment of that online with, you know, the dearly hopeful stack. I know I like the memes of like the dude Italian like waiter dumping olive oil on you like way too much olive oil like that's literally me with scientific fast and all my friends and now all my Instagram followers like I just love reading that and writing it so topics I think that's going to benefit people you know like caffeine intake like how that helps or like sleep your circadian rhythm or you know sumo versus conventional I kind of post about that so I hope you know people enjoy reading that and I know personally I just love writing about it and reading about it mm-hmm. yeah and I, I think that's the most beneficial in this like this whole world the powerlifting world is surrounded by social media now and it mm-hmm. is and we talk about it so much but it's true this is how we get you know, this is how we interact with others so the fact that you're using it for a good is it's refreshing to see because a lot of it a lot of what we see now is uh, a lot of flexing, a lot of clout, a lot of that kind of stuff, which is fine. I mean, we are trying to get entertained, and entertaining mm-hmm. is big. I mean, this podcast was not informational, or is not informational in my opinion. It's to mainly entertain. Um, so that's important, but that information that you're sharing is really good for the sport. Um, yeah. And here's a question I want to ask you, because I've gotten to a lot of debates about this. If someone with a science background who knows their shit, has their doctorates, gives workout advice, but they don't have a deadlift of 500 pounds at 180 pounds, is do, now do you believe people who share this information must back up their findings with actual performance? Or because when I say that is a logical fallacy. Yeah. Me it's arguing not. for that, it is a logical fallacy because the information isn't changing. Mm-hmm. It's like, right. oh, you're taking the advice from person who deadlifts 700 pounds, right. not the person deadlifts 400 pounds. So, what's your opinion right. on that? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, it's definitely changed over time. When I first started lifting, I think like all other people, I thought that the strongest people were the most knowledgeable because mm-hmm. obviously they had to know a lot to get to that point. You know, so back then when I was starting out, I thought you know the strongest strongman in the world who can deadlift a thousand pounds or like someone like Larry Wheels is going to be the best person to coach. Obviously, mm-hmm. over time, as I gained more experience, interacted with more coaches and athletes, I realized that couldn't be further from the, like, false. Yeah. So I know now 
I even like myself, I personally consider myself inexperienced. I'm still learning new things every single day about the sport. I get people constantly asking me, do I provide online coaching through mm-hmm. DMs and everything? And I always tell them no. Like, currently, I'm still, still learning every day. I'm still a novice to this sport. Mm-hmm. And so I can recommend you much more experienced coaches, in my opinion, but they're not going to have like a flashy list that you might be looking for since you messaged me. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. At the end of the day, like I, being a geneticist, I know everybody's sort of maximum threshold is very different. So just because you're only deadlifting like 400 pounds doesn't mean that you're not qualified to teach other people to lift way more than that. Mm-hmm. It's just your background, your knowledge. I think I, if I was looking for a coach, my number one priority would be one, do they know their shit? Yeah. And two, do they have sort of the thirst and knowledge to pursue more knowledge? and are not ignorant, or not stubborn about changing their ways. Mm-hmm. Like if new evidence were provided to them that sort of changes their previous conceptions, are they willing to open, be open to change that? So I know a lot of coaches like that, and that's personally why I started working with Joe Stanek from mm-hmm. the TSA, is because they're a very scientific-based um, powerlifting community and team. And everything they did, everything they used, like every question I had, he backed it up with science, he backed it up with studies, and he would spend time to go through why this thing was the way it is and why he programmed certain things the way he does or suggests certain lifts or certain types of movements. So I definitely looked at that more than how much they can actually lift. Like how much they can actually lift matters to me whether or not I'm entertained by them on Instagram. Yeah. But if I was looking for somebody who to teach me to lift better to myself, I'm looking for more than knowledge and experience. Yeah, I, I've i recently come into this more so now, but even when I first started lifting, and it wasn't about, uh, mm-hmm. actually, the very first person I got into a debate with was about Lane Norton, um, mm-hmm. and it was, and the person didn't know about Lane Norton, and I kind of knew about Lane Norton. This is when I was, like, kind of into bodybuilding, not exactly mm-hmm. powerlifting, and it was nutrition-based, and I recommended uh, him to watch his video logs, my friend to watch mm-hmm. Lane Norton's video logs, I thought they were excellent. Like, yeah. the amount of information he was sharing and how he was able to debunk certain, mm-hmm. like, right. just massive fallacies was so, <laughs> yeah. was just so, refre- was so beneficial for me as a young lifter. And I told my friend, mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, watch him. He's like, okay, well, how does he look? I'm like, good? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, he's wearing, like, a hat and, like, a shirt when he's, do- I'm like, he looks like a big yeah. dude, I guess. I don't know. And I didn't know he was, a pro- like, a pro bodybuilder and a terrific power lifter. I just right. thought he was a scientist. He's like, well, dude, if he looks if he looks like shit, why would I follow what he's saying? Like, what? I'm like, dude, like, no. what he's saying is fact. It's fact-based. He's a doctor. He has his doctorates on this, on, in nutritional studies. And we got into a back-and-forth debate. I won it only because he is a pro bodybuilder and a terrific powerlifter, too. But I, I, know, I was saying to myself, dude, if Lane Norton wasn't jacked, if Lane Norton wasn't a good powerlifter, would anything he say like really strike home with the YouTube crowd? Which is bad because yeah. I think as he's really important for the sport. Occasionally he can get annoying and he annoys me sometimes and it's not even with his scientific inquiry, it's just how he this how his Instagram is and how his YouTube is. It's like it's sometimes cringy. But I it, but I think the sport is much better off with him because I think he saved a lot of people money and saved a lot of people's uh, health too, just mm-hmm. by putting out that free information. And just right. to think that that would be all 
washed away because he doesn't have a six pack. Right. Or he doesn't exactly. have a IPF, you know, he was like second place in IPF Worlds. That would all be yeah. washed away if he didn't have those, those accolades, which is scary to me. Yeah, it's a shame, but I think at the age of social media nowadays, it's mm-hmm. sort of a byproduct of that. People are more willing to follow and listen to people who they consider strong, and so they sort of want that copycat mentality. If this person is this strong, how can I get to be as strong as them? Mm-hmm. And they think that going to that person who is actually strong is the best way to do it, when in fact, they might not be able to tell you how you can get strong. They just know how they did it, and partly it's that probably because of their genetics, partly it's because of their lifestyle. Like, I doubt I could coach somebody to be a 800-pound deadlifter just by having them do exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. There's no way. Yeah. Like, I know that works for me. I know it's through a lot of trial and error, but I don't know how to coach somebody else to do it exactly the way that I did. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend them to experience coach who's more knowledgeable about dealing with all sorts of athletes. And I think that's, at the end of the day, it's a shame, but those individuals who are super knowledgeable but might not necessarily be strong or have a lot of Instagram clout are not getting that much attention. Yeah. And I wish they, I hopefully one day, um, those people will definitely come more into the spotlight. But because there's so much accessibility now with Instagram and with social media in general, it's the people who are making more flashy videos and more flashy you know, lifts are the ones that are getting all the attention. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree with you on that. Um, and fucking, I mean, again, throw a belt on a bar. Gets, <laughs> gets more fucking views than someone, like, pouring out their real knowledge and, like, their hard-earned knowledge, too, which is so... Again, I benefit the most from that kind of shit, but... <laughs> Say it's bad to kind of really put it in perspective. It's hilarious. I remember when you first started putting videos out there of you throwing your belt on and you scraping the shit out of your shins, and now I see like people reposting that all the time of their bloody shins, mm-hmm. their belt flakes, belt throws, and some like I love it. Like it's entertaining as hell. Yeah, and which is funny because I think I've made a lot of where you could possibly make lifters better. I think I made a lot of lifters worse. In my powerlifting career, because I see people now not deadlift with socks on, and me, I would deadlift with socks, they would just bleed right through, so they bleed right through my socks, so I'm like, I would do it, guys, it just, it's now a reoccurring scrape that keeps on getting opened up, and there's lifters lifting in squat shoes and thinking that it helps when I tell them, no, don't do that, I'm stupid, please don't do that. I'm like, I didn't, don't, I'm like, I'm not recommending that you start, I, I've recommended zero people lifting squat shoes, and it, it has happened, so, where you've probably is, made better lifters, I've made probably really shitty lifters. That is still the funniest shit, when you told me that you just did that because you didn't know better, like, seriously, this dude got into a 700 pound deadlift, deadlifting in squat shoes when he just didn't know that he shouldn't. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, that's pretty much, that should be, like, that's pretty much my entire life. It would be, I, that, it's like, that should be, like, a title of a book about my life. I didn't know I should do that. <laughs> like, that's, that's the one, like, I, I didn't know I shouldn't do that, guys. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Every, yeah. and everything. Like, at work. It's like, you can't do this, Angelo. Like, I didn't know. 
You know I can't do that. <laughs> like, it's common knowledge. I'm like, what the fuck? I don't know. I'm pretty stupid. I'm sorry. My girlfriend, you didn't know that that was the wrong thing to do? No, I didn't. I'm a dumb human being. So, yeah, that's, that's a that great that's, title of a book. I think you might put that on my Instagram bio right now. I didn't know <laughs> I couldn't it. do that. Do it. I love it. Yep. All right, so... We talked earlier about um, not, unfortunately, not doing USAPL Raw Nationals. Any meets in the horizon, or any goals that you want to hit? Any meets, yeah. numbers? Throw it all on us. Yeah, of course. So um, there's, I've been throwing around the idea of doing a USPA tested meet next year. Okay. Just because um, I've kind of done USAPL for the last three years, and you know, there's some issues with it. There's some drama in and out of it that could do without so i used to do uspa i have a bunch of friends that do it and it's definitely i think it'll be refreshing to do so i mm-hmm. think my first meet in 2020 might be a uspa tested meet and i know convoy strength at the gym that i train at is thinking about hosting one so i might do a local one here just for fun and plus then you get to play around with the deadlift bar mm-hmm. and my personal goal right now is to break 800 at 83 or that would be 82.5 kilos you know, on a Delta bar, it'd be a lot of fun to just be able to throw that much weight around officially. And I know a lot of people come out of the woodworks and say, you know, train to lift stone count. And definitely, I know that straps don't count. Yeah. But to do that in competition would be a lot of fun. And so I also have these little tiny manlet hands that don't really hook well, especially on Ohio bars. And it definitely feels much better on the, the deadlift bar. So I think 2020 is just going to be a couple of fun meets. I'll do a USPA test of me. I might do a USAPL meet, mm-hmm. one of the local ones here as well. But just kind of getting back into it, um, I think just doing nonstop meets for three years kind of burnt me out a bit and yeah. made me forget why I got into the sport and started loving it in the first place. So I think just stepping back, having some fun with the training, having some fun with the meets will be a good idea. Yeah, and I think right now there might be a trend of USAPL lifters going to USPA uh, Noriega yeah. expressed his dissatisfaction with USAPL <laughs> with the equipment. Mm-hmm. I actually covered it last show, um, kind of like on the like the fifty fifty kind of thing. Because yeah, yeah, well, like we've been seriously training on a row combo rack, like at yeah. my gym, because we really assumed that that's what was going to be used at Raw Nats. Yeah. And now we don't know if we we purchased it for Raw Nats, but you know it would have been nice to know that we're using a, some rack. That, right. you know, it's, it would have been useful for a lot of people. People could have saved money. But at the same time, the equipment thing, it's like, eh, maybe pick your battles a little bit. Right. Because you know what you're right. paying for. You're paying for a combo right. rack for sure, and you're paying for a Ohio power bar or, uh, right. or another stiff bar. But I think right. people are going to switch to the USPA because it's just a little easier to compete there. Like, right. you don't uh, – the equipment one, it's like I had to get a whole new set of equipment for USAPL. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I had to get a whole set of just, and I had to, you know, do a little things differently, had to use different equipment too. I think the equipment, right. a lot of people are being pulled towards. Um, so mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see that. Now I had Carson Allen on the show. Carson Allen is a great lifter, 83 kg from the state mm-hmm. of Illinois. He threw an idea at me and I yeah. want to share it with you. It would be cool to do a deadlift only meet at the Arnold potentially. <laughs> With mm-hmm. you, me, Carson, Deadlift Nut, and all the other 83KG just throwing it like the top ones. Yeah. And yeah. is there 
Because you said 2020. Is there any possibility that you would do that in 2019? Oh, 100% for sure. Oh, 2019. Yeah, 2019. Because I might be joining you with USPA in 2020. But 2019, yeah, yeah, yeah. looking like I'll only do USAPL meets. After raw mats, deadlift only? Yeah, at the Arnold. Because <laughs> you have to qualify, Arnold, right? Yeah, so the Arnold's next year though, right? Wait, the Arnold's 2019? No, it's March. So it's right. It's 2019 right now. Oh, so it'll be 2020 by yeah, that time. Oh, okay, <laughs> whatever. Within, within yeah, that time. I was gonna say if it's the Arnold. Oh they, yeah. They already have a pro deadlift going on. Yeah. So you just have to be, I think, the top ten like ranked deadlift Wilkes in the world to be okay. invited to that. Okay. So when I did that last year, it was like a bunch of people from Poland, from Iceland. Um, from Sweden, and then a couple. I think I was the only one that was from like America and the guys that did it. So you mm-hmm. had like Dr. Delop there, who looks like he's gonna kill a boar with his bare hands, mm-hmm. and you know all all sorts of fun place. But I'm it's, definitely down. Like yeah, I always because he when he showed that because he's like it would be really cool to go to the Arnold, but not have an entire fucking like the stress of doing a full power meet. So he's like yeah. you should, and he he told me he's like you should do the pull, <laughs> like a pull only. I'm like. Yeah. I really don't like pull onlys. I like doing the full power meet just because <laughs> yeah. of the competition. I just I just like the feel. But then he was yeah. like, "Yeah, it'll be cool." You, me, Shane Nutt, one of the best young deadlifters in the world. Yeah. Then I was like, "Hey, how about you, you?" And he's like, yeah. "Dude, that'll be fucking awesome." I'm like, <laughs> um, "I'm just I'm just making plans for people I don't even know yeah. at this point." I'm 100 percent down, even if it's unofficial. Even if we go get some beers and just go back into the gym and just do it, or in the warm up room. <laughs> or I just invite people to Illinois at a random time, and at Surge and E Levels Fitness, yeah. like yeah. Shane Shane Nutt is a Midwest lifter. Uh, <laughs> Carson's go. from Illinois. You have roots in the Midwest. Just come out go. to Surge, and we'll yeah. just deadlift and get hammered afterwards. That'll be great. I'm down. Yeah, I'm 100 percent down for that. Let's do it. Set it up. Yeah, I will. I'm, I have a I have a lot of ideas outside the box of your traditional meat. Of I am like yeah. I actually think in that like setting that me can make way more money or at least be easier to run than a full power meet that's like the current mm-hmm. open that's like boss yeah. of bosses like big dogs or yeah. any of that like just getting like two even two of the best deadlifters in the world and yeah. have like an event out of it and just just mm-hmm. pulling stupid weight and it's just it's back and forth it's it's not I even mean, three attempts it's until someone yeah. can't deadlift anymore. Like, yeah, I think that what, meet will be cooler than any full power meet. They did that in China recently with Christoph. So, Dr. Deadlift, uh, Mr. Deadlift, he went to China for, like, a deadlift exhibition. He did his usual, like, three attempts, and then he did, like, fucking threw on the straps and did, like, 420 kilos for a double or something. Yeah. It's like, there were so many people there just watching, and that got so many shares. But that's, like, an unofficial meet. Like, people yeah. were more excited about that than anything he's done before. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But a lot of people, I mean... Again, I, I bought this up before, and I, I know that people are sick of hearing me talk about it. Professional wrestling <laughs> is, it's not sanctioned, right? There, I think there's a sanctioning yeah. body, but the winners and losers are predetermined. Mm-hmm. Look at the arena. Are there people still watching? You bet your ass there's people watching and spending a lot of money on pay-per-views, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't think people give a shit about not sanctioning nah. what counts if they just want to see some heavy-ass shit. The, the cage, I don't think that's sanctioned. Yeah, I can yeah. tell you right now, there's more hype around the cage than there is the USAPL meet going on. Yeah, It's more people I mean, just sitting around that. saying nothing. 
Yeah. That's USAPL meets the Arnold. So, <laughs> I mean, and, it's, and it could be yeah. it's the XBC meet too. It's all the meets. Yeah. It's power full power meets. They're they're yeah. great to compete in. They're kind of cool if you know someone, but at the same time, yeah. you're not watching every single lifter doing everything. Right? I don't I mean, know. Speaking of the Arnold, you probably are going to get invite depending on how you deadlift at the Raw Nats this year. You'll probably get invite to the pro deadlift, and then if you do it, just get ready for the deadlift suit scars. Because that's a fun beast to do. I don't. All right. So I I would, if I get invited to the Arnold, I would like to do the full power. Because that might Mm -hmm. be my last meet in 2000. uh, Might be my last or my only meet in 2020. Um, Yeah. Or or, or at least USAPL. Because I, I, and I would have done USPA this year if it wasn't for Nats. Nationals in Illinois, no excuse not to go to it. Because I was. Right. I was well on my way to going to USPA because I knew I wanted to switch federations, and mm-hmm. USPA is probably the best one, at least for me, because yeah. you know that lift bar, what you said, and all the equipment. Right. So, um, right. but I mean, if I can invite, I'll definitely think about everything. But yeah. I would love to do a, it's I would fun. love to do a full power meet. You're close by. Yeah, let's hope. I mean, actually, as far as the my deadlift goes, it hasn't been progressing as much as my other lifts. I've been kind of hitting some walls. That's why I want to start getting coaching and um, mm. just try to expand on a few other. Because there's something I'm you doing. There's got to be stuff I'm doing wrong. Possibly, it's I not. will. I'll do it. I don't, I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> I don't memes aside. I don't care. Yeah. Like I have no content. My followers will go down, but. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. I will trade followers for a couple kilos. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Hell, the socks, no squat shoes, and no more belt throwing on the bar. Well, instantly twenty kilos. Okay, I'll do it. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, I'll take it. I'll. T- I mean, I I miss ninety five percent of the fucking belt throws anyway. I just don't post the ones that I miss. So I oh shit I I should I shouldn't have said that on air. <laughs> Fuck now I'm a fraud. Damn. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. What you see is not real. And, yeah, I'm going to be heel. Tooth Fairy, Santa Claus aren't real either. But, um, yeah. So, um, technique tip. We do it every week. We got a deadlift spec. Actually, you know what? I'm going to ask you this before we get to the technique tip. Do you ever get upset of getting the label of being, like, a deadlift specialist? And do you find that your other lifts are neglected? Because I had, um... Uh, Jamal Brown around last week, mm-hmm. and I he said kind of the same thing where he's getting known as a deadlift specialist. He's like, no, I think I'm pretty good at the other two lifts too. And I, I was gonna say, I thought he is more of the squat specialist. Like that squat's blowing up for him. Yeah, and but yeah. I think people are more because he went seven for nine at a meet and got yeah. criticized for it. It's I like, think dude, dude and he switched... pulled eight fifty at that meet too, and yeah. he still got criticized. And it's a weird thing because I'm actually, and I, I said this to him. I'm getting worried that people are focusing more on my deadlift, and yeah. and it's not what people are focusing on. It's just like sending me signals to me, like right. "fuck, I gotta improve my squat and bench" because I just don't. I want to have the highest total. Yeah. I don't want to have necessarily the highest deadlift only. So, does yeah. that ever happen with you? Yeah, all the time. I mean, so personally, like I know Jamal is one of the guys I watch all the time for just inspiration for how much weight he can fucking possibly lift. He just sneaks up onto the bar, and before the weights even notice, like it's up. So it's one of those things where I personally love just be able to be the strongest at one lift. Mm-hmm. I know it'd be awesome to be able to be, you know, uh, somebody like Russ who's got all three covered. But 
I always loved deadlifts. Like ever since I started, it's the one that clicked the most for me. It's the one I think is the most technical. I know how to work sort of fake in biomechanical terms and how to more make it more efficient over time. So if you can see in my positioning, my technique, everything is completely changed from three years ago. Mm-hmm. So like that's all from just tweaking and constantly trying new things and seeing what works and what doesn't and then realizing what parts I'm weak in. So for example, like when I first started this out, my glutes started cramping up all the time. So I realized I need to strengthen the glutes to be able to be able to take the more um, wider stance and so things like that just constantly tweaking a little bit by little and i think i love being able to do that for myself as well as provide advice for other people especially when they ask questions about deadlift things that i've worked on and had difficulties with in the past and it's personally i like all three but if i could have it my way and can recover enough, I would honestly just deadlift every single day. <laughs> like, it makes me super happy. Yeah. I do get a little bit more amp for deadlift days. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, it was it's an interesting thing when someone's really good at one lift that even if they're good at the other two lifts, because, again, Gamal had a great meet at a really high-level meet, too. And mm-hmm. he still is like, I can't believe you didn't pull. I mean, imagine that. Imagine pulling 850 pounds and people are unhappy with you. Or are disappointed that, like, dude, he pulled 850 pounds, <laughs> and you're upset he didn't get over 900. Yeah. Like, holy could, shit. Like, like how – and, and not to say me, he, he squatted something crazy. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it's one of those things where we talked about earlier. People are going to hate no matter what. Mm-hmm. And for him, he posted the 1,000-pound deadlift right after the meet, and people were like, oh, that's so shitty that he only deadlifted, like, 100 pounds less than that. His grip sucks. Mm-hmm. Whatever. But it's like, dude, he still held 850 pounds in his hand at the meet. Like, yeah. that's more than you'll ever hold in your life. And it's just, you know, people are going to be people. So Yeah, and I, I think people don't even realize how hard it is to progress from a lift that's already really good. It's almost yeah. like you're you put yourself in a handicap. Just mm-hmm. you can't – it's, it's hard to progress from there. Um, yeah. And, I, and I, got, I think the realization was AAPF Nationals – Last year in Grand Rapids, where I uh, seven hundred didn't come off the floor, and mm-hmm. I you could see how surprised I was. I like looked at the camera and I was like, "What the fuck just happened?" Because that was my <laughs> second attempt, and I hit seven hundred five easy yeah. my last meet, and then in the gym I hit it with ease. I was like, "Oh, seven fifties." I mean, seven hundreds. I could eat. I could hit it probably every day, and then when it mm-hmm. didn't come off the floor, like not even a little bit off the floor. I was like, what the fuck? And I realized, like, oh, it's not going to be there every day. Like, it's something I can't move. Same thing with 900 pounds. Same thing with 890 pounds. It's going to be really hard to move day in and day out, even if you go through a really good prep. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, 100%. But technique tip. One cue, one tip that you have that has helped you on on any of the three lifts. Mm -hmm. Just one that you Um, live by. So let's talk about deadlift since that's probably what everyone wants to hear. Yeah. Um, you shouldn't have put up your definitely... handle. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> exactly. the handle is deadlift panda. So it, it yeah, is there. It's expect there. it. So the main thing, I talked about this earlier at the bar band as well, but tightening your lats at the beginning, that's, I underestimated how important that was in the beginning. Like before I used to just jerk the bar off the ground and hope to God it comes off and mm-hmm. hope to God I can bring it back because that shit swayed back and forth the second it moved, left the ground and then I had to basically control it up because my entire upper body was loose as a noodle. Mm-hmm. 
setting your shoulders that includes your sh- your shoulders and your lats before you start the pull is going to make the transition from your sticking point to lockout 90% easier. Mm-hmm. So what oftentimes you see is that people have a loose upper body that comes with the bracing. So this is assuming you already have a good brace in. So once you have a good bracing in, take a deep breath, set your shoulders on last, tighten it out, and then just start pulling. But then don't ever let it loose. So you can practice this by doing pause deadlifts, and I suggest this to everybody. Pause it right off the ground like an inch, keep your lats tight, and explode out of that pause. Once you can master keeping everything in your glats and shoulders tight, your lockouts are going to be the smoothest it's ever been. Like mm-hmm. That's just my favorite cue I've ever incorporated. And that's what I do after every single, every top rep, every top set, I always make sure that my shoulders and lats are set before I start the pull. And you can tell the difference between a lazy setting and just a perfect setting. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to be using that. I'm going to call this, I'm going to rename this segment, I Get Free Coaching Advice. Because I've been getting some really good lifters on the show, and I'm just like, what's a technique tip? Like, I just want you to give me free coaching advice. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I really like that. Um, I think that could be beneficial for a lot of people and it's see it, like, so some people do these things inadvertently, but, mm-hmm. but some people don't like it's cause for me, what you just said, I'm like, Oh, that's a good idea. And I'm like, I must've been doing that inadvertently my entire life. Yeah. But just when you, but if you think about it more then you'll be that much more efficient with your deadlift. So here's the way to know if you're doing it or not. So I like to think of it as a cue, like, pinching a pencil underneath your armpits so like imagine you have your hand or something under you pinch it and now your lats are flexed that flexing is what you should feel at the beginning of your deadlift so pinch both um your bench uh arms together and then your lats are automatically going to flex like that Mm -hmm. so do that at the bottom of the deadlift and then keep that pinched all the way up to the lockout nice yeah Yeah. i i like that thank you for the tip and we are going to try a new segment with our guest. <laughs> Fuck Mary Kill is getting a little stale. Uh, annoying things powerlifting or say is getting a little stale. This segment is in its beta stage. I will come up with a better name, but we're going to do a little word association. I'm going to throw in a powerlifting related word or trend or anything, and you tell me the first word that comes to mind. So, yeah, deadlift. We'll start easy. Very yeah. similar to Fuck Mary Kill. I always start easy with Fuck Mary Kill. <laughs> uh, sumo versus conventional. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. So we sumo because you've tried both, right? Sumo, you're just efficient, yeah. more of efficient of a puller. Yeah. I think uh, well, I think conventional so, is more aesthetically pleasing. hundred percent. It looks much better when you grind out a conventional. Like you never get the leg shakes. You never get the puking from sumo. Mm-hmm. You occasionally get some pee, but that's not as impressive as the puking full on. Mostly female. So like, <laughs> exactly. Mostly female. Okay. But, but the thing with conventional sumo, I think in anybody starting out lies is anybody who has just been doing. They see sumo as something that's cheating. They see sumo as short. Somebody who is going to be a lower weight can move as much weight as them. So then they're going to be on active things. So it's much easier. They don't realize it's a lot more technical. If you don't perfect it, if you don't learn the techniques, you're not going to break the floor. Like you've seen in competition, if you have a shitty day, you can at least grind out a conventional. It won't look pretty. You might have a hurt back afterwards, but you can grind it out. Sumo is just not going to move. If you don't get your legs aligned, if you don't get your back tight, it's just not even going to break the floor. Like mm-hmm. I posted about this before, but, you know, sumo deadlifters spin 
fifty like fifty percent of the time more in the breaking the floor. Convictional spend more time in the sticking point, grinding mm-hmm. it out. So they all have the pros and cons. It's what your body's built for. You should obviously train both. There's a huge carryover between the two, but don't avoid one or the other just because you think that it's not the right way to do it. Yeah. Like I know strong, like strong men. Everybody always says this, like strong men don't do sumo. Well, if you look at their legs, they're yeah. pretty much doing sumo. Like they're fucking doing narrow sumos, like Ed Cohen style, yeah. just with their hands all the way out. Yeah, I, I've I've said that before. It's like my sumo deadlift is more narrow than their yeah. conventional deadlift. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, all right, that's a good one. All right, next one, USAPL. Ooh. Uh, dudes. Dues? Everything. Dues. Money. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've gone yeah. through a conversation about that today. About USAPL oh. and all the dues yeah. you have to pay. Well, the fucking kid, actually, he might be on the show, so he might listen to this. Yeah, you shouldn't have signed up late if you don't want to spend fucking more money, dude. This is, that's on <laughs> or, you at this point. Yeah. Don't or sign up late. Fees. Like the fucking coaching fees, and now they're making every lifter pay for a coach, even mm-hmm. that same one. It just, like, seems like every year they're shooting their, themselves in the foot with just a little bit more that's a little bit more policy that's less lifter-friendly. Like, mm-hmm. that's what makes a sport, in my opinion. Like, yeah. you, you should keep your lifters happy because there's other options. But yeah. it seems like a lot of the policies are just arbitrary and sort of changing constantly. You know, like even tank tops, like crop tops. I don't yeah. know how crop tops are going to help girls. Like, in what way? And mm-hmm. if it's just because of modesty, like, dudes are full-on showing everything yeah. when they're deadlifting. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I've ranted about this so many times. I think last week, because the coaching fee has been a hot topic for, like, the past two mm-hmm. weeks now, uh, especially because coaches are now starting to, you know, either, one, get their USAPL membership, because you have, like, up to October 1st to get that. And mm-hmm. I was, um, there's so much focus on shit that does not matter. That has nothing yeah. to do with lifting. It, it, I mean, seriously, yeah. nothing to do with lifting. And I've said that right. just in this in the a prior conversation with you. I only focus on weightlifting when yeah. I'm powerlifting. I don't want to think about my coach. I don't want to think about his fee. I don't want to think about a handler right. in there. And that's all these. I, my, my friend today had to. He had initials on his singlet. Had to fill out a form and to see if it's okay <laughs> for him to have a, like yeah. initial on a singlet. Like what the. F- fuck that doesn't yeah. i could i could write a, a um a initial on my singlet that shit yeah. does not matter my shitty wrestling singlet doesn't matter my the yeah. the coach who i have a family member who just wants to go backstage with me doesn't matter like all that shit is just so irritating and it's a yeah. bunch of you could make rule changes that'll make this more uh, sport better how about focus on a way to perfect judging how about focus on that? I mean, that yeah. goes for all federations, but we could do that with USAPL considering there's, I mean, it's mo- the, the the raw raw nationals and the raw lifters are the major pull. So, hey, right. focus less on fucking crop tops and focus more on maybe making a singlet where we could see certain people's uh, top of the hip. Hip crease? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah. and, we, and we can make it for every lifter. Like, okay, here's the top of the hip. Boom. Here's a mark. Yeah. Here's a piece of tape or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably wrong by saying that, but let's focus on rules that actually will make this sport better. No, banning crop tops, banning or uh, allowing certain brands, not ha- uh, having controlling all media rights. That is not progressing the sport or your federation. Right. So I 100% agree. Like we're not a popular enough sport 
to make all these policies to mm-hmm. make it less inclusive. Yeah. And now we're just basically keeping people from joining the sport when that's exactly what we need right now. Like I'm yeah. trying to convince all new lifters to jump in and do a meet when what's stopping them is the buying like $200 worth of new gear. And these are like teenagers yeah. and college students. It's not as accessible. Like they should be able to just jump in with whatever they're using. Yeah. And it's not going to benefit them. At the end of the day, you just want people to compete and join the sport and grow the sport. Yeah. We're still growing. We're not at the phase of like Olympic weightlifting. We're not at the world level yet. And I've always said, I don't even know if I want that to happen. I don't know if I want it to be Olympic. I don't know I want to be, I don't want, I don't, I don't think I want it to be that mainstream. I sometimes this enjoying the sport in small community and being like the outcast on the outskirts of a, of like a sport is more fun than being within the mainstream thing. It it sounds stupid to say, but occasionally that holds true, but Mm -hmm. I like that. That was a pretty good, uh, explanation there on USAPL, um, dues for sure. Next one. Deadlift bar. Deadlift bar. Ooh. Uh, noodle. Let's go with that. No, dude, USAPL lifters call everything that's not a Ohio power bar a noodle. I think, yeah, Ben Poor, I I trained with Ben Poor at Indy City, Uh, or no, I was at BMW with him, and they had a Texas power bar, and we were deadlifting on that, and I was like, this fucking noodle bar. I'm like, it's a Texas power bar, man. I'm like, it's not that whippy, but noodle bar. USAPL lifters pretty much see it as the non-natty bar. Like, it's the clout bar. Like, it's what you go on to pretty much max out more than you can ever do. But, like, honestly, having pulled on it and the stiff bars, it's definitely, if, if you get use sumo especially, you can get definitely more weight out of it, but it's a t- different technique. Yeah. Like, it's actually its own art. If you see, like, Yuri Belkin and Taylor and all these folks who are deadlifting close to a 1,000 pounds pull on a deadlift bar, there's a certain art to it that you have to train. Like, for example, it's so whippy that you have to control the lockout or else it's just going to shake the shit out of you. Yeah. So these guys are training to basically slow down before the lockout and then progress to it with a tight back, like t- tight lats, everything mm-hmm. maintained. So, like, it's a hard technique. So I applaud them for it. It is. And then going from federations with the deadlift bar to the stiff bar, I feel that I'm better with the deadlift bar. But mm-hmm. other people won't have as much success as I would with the deadlift mm-hmm. bar. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, that, that whip though, you, the first time I got the, <laughs> yeah, the, the first time I got the feeling of Ohio power bar, 20 kilo competition use, search new levels. I was pulling, I think 606. I tried to pull those slack out of the bar and nothing happened. <laughs> and I was yeah. so, de- I don't pull the slack out anymore because of just how yeah. demoralized I was. I pulled them like, oh no! There, when they said there was no like, yeah. no, and oh, and I yeah. still I always train with a stiff bar no matter what competition yeah. I'm doing. I always train with yeah. it, but that was just a different animal when I just pulled it and nothing came up. And with the kilo yeah. plates and the calibrated plates, I'm like, oh no! And then yeah. I knew my deadlift was in trouble at that point, uh, and I had to had to work on some things. But yeah, that's why I took. That's why it took me like a year to learn how to pull slack out because like everybody kept telling me to pull a slack, pull a fucking I still slack out. Yeah. I'm like, I don't get it. Like, what's what, there's nothing there to pull. They're like, oh, believe me, it's there. It'll click. Like, it'll literally click. I was like, it's not clicking. Like, nothing's clicking. And then they're like, oh, try it on deadlift bar, and I was like, oh shit. Like, this actually has slack. Yeah. But it's completely different. Like, there's mm-hmm. it's like one's like feeling like you're you know you have a rubber band, and the other one's basically like you're lifting an entire washing machine in one go. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That 
the way I got, like, the slack when I pulled it, because they told me that at USA, our, our APF meets, pull the slack out, and I still didn't do it because I didn't know exactly how to, but, like, when I started to see more lifters do it, I did it, but with that Ohio power bar, it just was not happening. <laughs> yeah. All right. How about straps? Straps. Ooh. Clout. Let's <laughs> do that. Well, is it, is, is it clout? Because you will have the power lifters, uh, good power lifters, yeah. be critical of it, yeah. and then dumbass people saying that it doesn't count so, because of straps. It's, it's a great tool. It is. So if, if you're doing it, if you're hitting your top reps during prep, especially heavy singles with only straps, then I don't feel sorry for you if you drop the weights during competition or you can't hit close to it. If you're doing back-offs, like I always hit my, during competition prep, I always hit my top sets with uh, just chalk and raw hands and mixed grip, and then I hit my back-offs because it's my, I want to save my hands somewhat from all tearing from the Ohio bars. I hit it with the straps. Yeah. But like now during off season, like it doesn't really matter as much. And I want to save my hands because I don't really want to have to worry about ripped calluses and like super thick calluses when I'm shaking people's hands at work. So mm-hmm. I'm hitting it now because it, you know, it saves me some time. It saves me some recovery. But if it's, I use that for your top sets. And yeah. that's part of the reason why I'm actually switching over to hook grip now. It's been yeah. painful. I did it first time last night. It was a fun experience. Uh, less fun, more pain. But I realized that with using straps, having a symmetrical input of force, especially for my lats, is definitely much more beneficial. Like, it's definitely going to allow you to be more mindful of the force you're using and you're definitely going to be able to move more weight overall so mm-hmm. i can definitely see the appeal of doing the hook grip now and so using straps is sort of what caused me to now officially want to make this switch yeah i never used straps myself but i had a good conversation with jamal last week about straps and about overloading and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and he said that it's so beneficial for him and more mm-hmm. people i talk to who use straps to just i mean real workout days like they're working up to their top yeah. sets with straps and um, I was always against it at the beginning, but then they explained to me the rationale behind it. Because my friend mm-hmm. who pulls hook grip, uh, shout out to Rafi, he trains at certain levels, and he even warms up with straps in the warm up room. Like, holy shit! Like, what? If, like, how is he? How is he working on grip? <laughs> yeah. Then he he says like, well, if I rip my fucking hand open in a warm up room, I can't deadlift. I was like, right. whoa. All right, that Yuri. was the most simple way of explaining it to me because <laughs> yeah. that made so much Yuri. more sense to me. Yuri does the same thing. Yeah. I think Yuri Belkin also uses straps to warm up. And your point about overloading is definitely 100% on point. And you and Jamal like both believe that. And I love that concept. I love being able to overload, especially in off season. Like especially if you're a mental lifter, just to be able to handle that much weight and know you can handle that much, it's gonna transfer a lot to your lift in actual competition prep mode. All right. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Two more. Russ Orhi. I just gotta say like right now kind of king like nobody's touching him he's miles ahead on the total and you know at the end of the day it's a total sport so I don't know what I'm kind of scared to see what he can actually do if he maxes out on all three lifts Mm -hmm. like I haven't nobody's ever seen that like he's been so conservative during meets and he wins by like a mile even being conservative so I just want to see him let loose one day and just, like, actually max out deadlifts. Because I think he can easily, like, pull 750 with some room to spare. 
Yeah, I, I, uh, and we've been bringing it up more on the show, and I've been saying, and the reason why is because one, I'm an 83 kg lifter, I'm biased, so the person is at the top of my division, I'm always going to focus on, but right now it's looking like also with, I think he's starting to get that fan base, that's mm-hmm. one, I think it's a good lifter to have a big fan base, but with a big fan base, there's going to come some problems along with it, you're going to have some nut huggers, some dick riders <laughs> and that kind of stuff, and it's 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 interesting. He's becoming a more popular lifter, and it's well deserved because mm-hmm. the sport needs that kind of stuff, and they do need a golden right. boy too. So, right. um, yeah, I've been getting a lot more focus on this show uh, from Two White Lights, Russ or he. And as far as like social <laughs> media goes, I can't open my fucking phone without looking at the number one lifter in USAPL. Yep. And you can kind of yep. hear the resentment in my voice because I'm a competitive guy. And, yep. like, at this point, I've never been at this competitive stage because APF yeah. meets, WPC meets, didn't have a Russ or he. Right. Actually, don't mean to toot my own horn, which is not really bragging being the Russ or he of APF and WPC, but going to those meets and to- yeah. totaling people by a big margin, by winning by right. massive Wilk scores you know, wasn't exactly as fun, so that's why, you know, I, I switched to USAPL, but now when you have the guy looking up, like, there's a certain level now of people admiring him for a good thing, but I think there's a lot of 83kg guys who are really, their their blood is blood is starting to boil a little bit because they want to be at that yeah. level, and I'm, and I'm one of them. I, I just, I want to get there. It's definitely pushing everybody better, like, with, how strong Russ is getting. You can see Sean's pushing himself too, trying to match him every step by step. Mm-hmm. You can see Jamar also trying to catch up to him. Like every single way that Russ is doing and everybody else can see that they can be capable of the same thing just because he's human. Like yeah. at the end of the day, like we're people, we're all built, not built the same, but like we're made of the same things. Mm-hmm. So what he should be, what he's doing, like we theoretically should be able to do too. So yeah. I think that he's definitely pushing the sport and boundaries along, and I think that's definitely good. And that's for better or worse, one of the reasons why now like seven hundred pound squats are a possibility in eighty threes, yeah. and you know Sean's making four hundred plus benches a reality. Like you know, a couple of us are making seven hundred, seven fifty deadlifts a reality. Mm-hmm. So it's just I think only going to grow from here, and it's a good thing. Yeah, I think I, and again, I think he's good for the sport. I think just the person coming from like competing, it's like what I really wonder what's because I think people give a lot of canned responses with mm-hmm. like certain lifters and how they interact with certain lifters. I just find that a lot of people probably they they think about dethroning the king as you you call it, the word associate can. He's definitely the king. I think people think about that but aren't like they don't want to talk about it. Because yeah. we're still at this weird part of the sport where, like, we don't want to trash talk because we're afraid, like, what's going to happen, what the backlash is going to be. But it's yeah. it's an interesting thing uh, for sure. And, of course, the numbers now is uh, you need guys like that. You need guys like mm-hmm. him. You guys need guys like Noriega, Atwood at the, the, you know, the lighter weight classes, all those guys. Mm-hmm. Because I was talking to you before the show, 600 pounds used to be good for a deadlift. Yeah. They used to exactly. be good. It still is good. People listening, that it still is good. But it's no longer elite. Yeah. 650 exactly. pounds is no longer elite. That's an opener now for the elite guys. It's And if that. And yeah. I and last year, and I mentioned it before with you, you and I were one and two on the deadlifts for drug-tested lifters. 
now I don't think those two numbers are going to stick. I think yeah. 750 is what you have to do now. Like a 720 mm-hmm. deadlift is might put you top 10, might put you top 10, but mm-hmm. that's slowly going to fall. Like you're going <laughs> to, yeah. I think, and I think, well, when you get on a platform, 750 plus is definitely in the realm of possibility. So, yeah. all right, last one. And there's a reason why I say that for last. Larry Wheels. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I wish I can quote a song, but, like, uh, man. I, okay, it's more business sound. I'm a scientist. Keep in mind, um, autopsy. I want him to donate his body to science when, whenever he passes away. And I want to dissect every part of him to see, like, how much of an impact that long-term use of like anabolic steroids and that intensity of training has on a human body because i think that's going to be so far removed from what a normal physiology is Uh on a hormone level i just want to know it like just a nerd in me wants to know everything about him like i want to do rna sequencing on his muscles i want to do like organ checkups like hormone checkups like it's, he's fascinating to me. Like he, I don't know how he does it. I know I don't know how what he takes, but obviously something is working. Mm-hmm. And he's only like what, like twenty two, twenty one years old. Yeah, I again <laughs> and it, like it, we started off ironically a segment on the show. Larry Beals did something. We throw him into every episode just to fuck, remain topical <laughs> and powerlifting, but. It was one because Russ, and I keep on saying this, I think Russ is on his way of getting like this fan base that Larry has. Mm-hmm. So on his way. Now it's going to be really difficult because he's got a crazy weird fan base, Larry. Like it's very strange yeah. to me. Oh, yeah. uh, where, know. you know, like high schoolers, college students, grown adults, all these people have an opinion on him. Um, and I think Russ can actually have a good fan base as opposed to mm-hmm. Larry's like really shitty, like annoying fan base. But. Like, he's becoming just so weird and perplexing where we sort of, like, nothing against him, but then as it went on, we just started to hate him a little bit more. Just, I mean, a lot of a lot of it was a personal thing with, you know, the allegations yeah. of abuse right. uh, and, and assault, but, like, the progression of it now, and then I'm now I'm actually listening to him talk for the first time, because I just always mm-hmm. just watch his videos, I'm just like, alright, that's fucking crazy, that was amazing. Yeah. Now I hear him talk, I'm like, dude, there's something wrong. Like the way the way he yeah. talks and his voice yeah. and his like yeah. how his body's growing, I'm like oh shit, there might be something wrong here. And yeah, yeah. and then what you just said, I'm like yeah, we gotta need we need to see what's the science behind I, all of it. I, I hope. I mean, I right now I think it's one of those hush hush topics. Like I personally don't care for steroids, but I am more fascinated by the long term effects that hasn't really been studied. Like, because it's so illegal in the country still, people are going through backdoor and, you know, other connections to get access. And I know I have some friends that are in the bodybuilding industry who know, you know, have firsthand experience with coaches that push that onto their athletes. But that's, like, not administered by doctors. That's by, like, Mm -hmm. a dude in an alley that pokes you. So it's got to have some consequences like but we're not doing those kind of studies because it's not government official like sanction so yeah. it's something that we don't know about and i think that can definitely help a lot of people in that industry who choose to participate in like steroid usage to know what the long-term effects could be like especially looking at those kind of people like you know heart enlargement maybe some kind of 
bad hormone fluctuate of course like you're going to shut down certain hormones but like what the long-term effects is if you're using at the doses they're using yeah i yeah that's a good that's a good point i think and even in powerlifting i have very close friends who use and it's very open of i mean i think Mm -hmm. powerlifters are a little bit more honest about their use in my Mm -hmm. opinion uh especially if you're in a non-tested federation they're very they're actually quite open uh to a point where it could be annoying not gonna lie to a point (laughs) where it's like we don't need to you're not cool if you take Trent. Like, just fucking kill. Uh, but usually it's not those guys. Like, the guys yeah. who are, like, the, the, you know, the fucking with the Trent shirts and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and brag about being on Trent. It's like, oh, you're probably a shitty lifter. So... Did you, did you see Larry's uh, recent post about him saying he got, when you get bored of injecting yourself, you inject your food? So he was injecting Trent into the burger? Oh, yeah. I didn't, because I avoid his page. Um, yeah. I didn't, because yeah. everything he posts is fucking stupid. But, um... Oh, it's, cr- it's cringy as fuck, yeah. Yeah, I, he's, he's, I, I called him the Logan Paul of powerlifting, so, um, he's... <laughs> and actually, to a point where I've listened to Logan Paul and Jake Paul, they're oh, more man. tolerable than Larry Wheels is becoming, I can tell you that right now. Um, I just really... <laughs> I, the, the, the influencer, as, as Garrett Fear puts it, he's an Instagram cocksuck. So, yeah. um, and I love the term cocksuck. I'm going to use it more <laughs> frequently, but yeah, yeah, I, and I think people are, yeah, more honest in this sport than other sports about their usage and they, they know the dangers it sounds like, but mm-hmm. I've also heard, you know, of people who do know of, of what they're doing with steroids say how horrible it is when people start diagnosing themselves and when people start mm-hmm. coming up with their own cycles and putting their girlfriends on similar cycles and they're yeah. like are you fucking insane like you have any idea yeah. how dangerous that is and to a person like me I'm like no to tell me how dangerous <laughs> is it like it's fascinating yeah. so yeah. um for yeah. sure all right we talked for about 90 minutes terrific interview Thank you for coming yeah. on the show. We would love to have you on again sometime. Well, of course, anytime, man. Let me know about the Della competition. I would love to come down just to the backyard, some beers and some Della bars. Let's do it. For sure, man. I would love that too. That would be <laughs> awesome. Not, not, no sanctions, no no need either. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, that would be cool. Maybe I have a future as like a meat commissioner or something or a meat director. <laughs> just of doing Sounds non-sanctioned good, meats that are really easy to do. Yeah, just exactly. ask a person to rent out a gym and they yeah. like, no, you're a member here. You don't need to rent it out. <laughs> It's like, okay, cool, and then that's it. (laughs) Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me on. No problem. And now we are on to segments. All right, we are back. Thank you, Yang Su, for coming on Two White Lights. Hopefully we can have you on again sometime. Uh, During the interview, I told you to come out to Illinois, but I think it would actually be a better idea for me to come out to California because one of those places is California, and either one's Illinois. And I think every sane person would probably want to go to California instead of Illinois. Um, Barring Chicago, Illinois is a pretty shitty state. So, yeah, again, hopefully I could train with Yangsu. And I noticed that I for during the interview, there was an interesting part where I realized that I forgot how years work. And thank you, Yangsu, for not calling me out on that because that was probably the biggest dumbass moment of my life and I have a lot of them but that one is probably number one me not knowing how years work and not realizing that January happens in the meantime of October and March and when January happens there's a new year so yeah the Arnold is going to be in 2020 not 2019 I was at the 2019 Arnold but 
I digress. So that'll do it for two white lights. Yeah, not a lot of info, not a lot of things going around in powerlifting. Uh, not a lot of things to really talk about aside from your mindless gossip shit. So um, we're just going to end the show. Be on the lookout for more interviews with people competing at USAPL Raw Nationals. We have some really good guests lined up, and I'm really excited for the next two or three weeks with the guests we're getting at USAPL Raw Nationals. And Surge to New Levels is coming up as well, so we're probably going to get some guys on who are competing at that meet on Two White Lights. So it's it's going to be such a busy month. It's gonna, and I try not to swear there because I've been swearing too much. But it's gonna be such a busy month of October, and part of me is super excited, but also part of me is not looking forward to having to do a lot of things because I'm super lazy, and a lot of the stuff that I'm gonna have to do is gonna require me to do more work, like having the podcast, going on the blog, and all that kind of stuff. But October is coming, and that's gonna be a really good month for at least two white lights. The world of powerlifting too, but two white lights in general because two great meets in Illinois. We got the WPO coming. I actually don't even know if I'm gonna like. I'm such a obvious raw USAPL lifter that I don't know if I'm gonna be even allowed into those meets. So, but but it's gonna be busy. It's gonna be a busy month. So be on the lookout for guests. Really cool episodes on that too. Um, also, before we end the show, guys, subscribe on iTunes. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review. We have the giveaway still going on where you can get a Two White Lights care package of supplements, t-shirts. Leave a good review. It could be funny. It could roast me. It could roast us. It could roast any of the guests on the show, too. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a funny review. You might get something in return, and we will start reading them on air as well. But that's going to do it. Two White Lights. We're going to have more guests coming on. Thank you for listening. I'll see you guys next week. Peace.